Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who just launched their fourth-generation performance package and their Shears 2.0 nail grooming kit. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME. John Favreau makes a space western, Mel Brooks' Life Sucks, and the worst remake of all time is also Tim Burton's worst movie this week on 30 Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a rip-roaring journey across three decades of awesome stuff. Uh, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, that's where we'll be taking you, encompassing the week of July 23rd to the 29th. So we'll travel through three decades, 1991, 2001, and 2011. Join us, won't you? Grab our hands. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with us? I'm Diana Goodman, and I have one word for this week. Botched. Oh, we're going to talk about Bosch? Oh, I love Bosch. <laughs> the Amazon original... He's a cop who plays by his own rules. <laughs> uh, Everything this week is botched in one way or another. Yeah. And some of them are fascinating, and some of them I want to go punch executives in the face. Yeah, I was surprised by what I actually thought the worst movie of this week was, because it wasn't what I thought. And a big surprise, 700 days in the making. It's me, Sarah, back in the studio. In the same room Whoa. for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, it feels weird, and it's not clean enough for her to be here. Oh, it is not. It is, yeah. Cats have made quite a mess in here. But uh, you sprung this on me about 90 minutes to prepare. I'm like, why not? Let's do it. I mean, I've I'm, seen worse. Uh, in this room? I don't know. Yeah. This is all pretty bad. But it's, yeah, uh, pandemic's been rough on all of us. I, if you listen to bonus time this week, there's a weird pandemic story, and I feel weird. And I don't know if it's psychosomatic or not. Anyway, this week is going to be great, filled with wonderful things to talk about. Uh, as we talk about 1991, 2001, and 2011 in the week of July 23rd to 29th, across those three decades, don't want to have to intro the show anymore with what the premise of this is. So people, I hope you were listening. I hope your friends told you the right thing. It's a good elevator pitch. Uh, we're going to head into 1991, which I feel like, uh, where did my innocence die? It was here. Oh. With this news story. Uh, everyone's innocence dies in Sarasota. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rubens is arrested for masturbating in an adult movie theater in Sarasota, Florida. He pleads no contest and is sentenced to community service where he makes a PSA holding a vial of crack. As Pee Wee Herman, right? Yeah. This is what? this is crack. Yeah, it's uh Yeah. One of the weirdest PSAs. It's not funny. It's like he's being very sincere. <laughs> Was crack involved in no. the crime? No. And I use the word crime loosely because what are yeah. people doing in adult movie theaters if they're not Yeah, if you I saw the I remember engaging in watching the E True Hollywood story um about this and pretty much the Sarasota police when they were bored they would go down to the porn theaters and roust people for doing what you're supposed to do in porn theaters. Uh, yeah. I think we can speak. <laughs> and, uh, maybe even the Me Too, Too movement can get behind this. Yeah, let the dudes jerk off in their movie theaters so they don't bring them to the office. I mean. Or, uh, yeah, go, go jerk off in the movie This is a designated theater. J.O. Yeah. station. Like, They're smoking right. and this is the smoking section. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Let exactly. the boys jerk. As long as they're only touching themselves. Yeah. And right. please no eye contact. And besides that, you're cool. Yeah, do do it. Who cares? And what was even more distressing, and I encourage you not to look this up, Paul Rubens, I believe, had shot like two seasons of Pee Wee's Playhouse and was taking a long break. So his mugshot 
he has very long hair yes. and a beard, and it's terrifying. I remember that. It's, that is disconcerting. Yeah. What was he doing in Sarasota is the question. He is he from Florida? I don't know. That's an excellent question. Uh, maybe he didn't want his wife to take his house. That's why people move, entertainers move to Florida usually. That's true, and not to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why all the wrestlers are here. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he was in Florida exactly, mm. especially, let alone Sarasota. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, I, that MTV Music Awards moment where he opened up, it just walks out on stage and just goes, had any good jokes lately? It was great. But in between <laughs> yeah. there, like as a lover of Pee Wee, it felt really bad every day. He was a national punchline <sighs> in every monologue. Every kid in the schoolyard had a joke about him. And I wasn't done loving him yet. I love Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, it, it's it's. It's one of those nostalgic shows that holds up incredibly well. It's mm-hmm. very, it's so well designed and well written. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have even continued going, but this definitely probably put a stop to it. Yeah. yeah. Didn't stop Fred Willard, though. <laughs> he kept nope. working right up to his death. Um, but okay, into the movies of 1991, because these are all wonderfully weird <laughs> non-bangers. Uh, yeah, 1991. Non-bangers. <laughs> Unlike Paul Rubens. Yeah. <laughs> Ju- July 23rd to the 29th movies. Terminator 2 is still number one at the box office. And I- I'm going to guess it's-, it's like the highest grossing movie of the summer or the the year, isn't it? The, the year. Yeah. So, yeah, just get used to it. It's going to be there for a long time. It's going to be like Home Alone where it's like, what's going to take it down? It's going to be something weird. It's going to mm-hmm. be something weird. Mm. Something weird and random four months later. Um, and then we, I have never heard of this movie. Oh. And is this their last collaboration? Yeah. This is, oh, like I said, botched things. Uh, yeah, we have the last of four pairings of Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. It's mm-hmm. also Richard Pryor's last starring role. It's Gene Wilder's last film role. Wow. Is it really? Yeah. They're just done. They're just fucking done I after remember. another you. Uh, Richard Pryor, for very obvious reasons, you can tell during the movie he is sick. He mm. freaking has MS. He's sick. Yeah. And it's it's one of the oddest comedic parents, because like, they were not friends, didn't really enjoy one another's company, but made, I don't know if you can call them classics, but they were. I, I've watched them a lot. They were on TV yeah, they made when I was young. Two, they made two great movies and two terrible movies. Uh, <laughs> is this one of the terrible ones, another you? Yeah. Yeah, Stir, Stir Crazy and Silver Streak are a lot of fun. They're you know, like, see no evil, hear no evil? And they're very um, dated and kind of offensive in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. yeah, see no evil, hear no evil. Like, it had a couple moments that were cute. And this, I I just I just gave up because I was sad. Mm. And it's like, it has a fun, like, 40s-style premise of, like, this guy gets Gene Wilder and is, like, pe- trying to pass him off as a millionaire. And then they're going to, mm. like, kill the millionaire for the insurance. And, like, Peter Bogdanovich was attached. Hell and yeah. then <laughs> Oh, he, no. <laughs> where it's like, okay, well, he made What's Up, Doc. Like, he can do 40-style screwball. But he and Gene Wilder didn't get along and got, got fired. And Wow. Yeah. And just, it's. <sighs> Imagine being screamed I at by Gene Wilder. No. Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. No, I'm crying so hard. <laughs> oh, We've boy. seen what he could do when he's, like, really amped up. And I would be scared if that were directed at me. And, uh, man, coupled with the next movie, because Gene Wilder works best paired with one man. Yes. And that man has a movie releasing up against him this And that man works best with Gene Wilder. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, uh, it was odd. My girlfriend, I showed her the list, like, any of these you want to watch, and the first one that jumped out at her was Life Stinks, Hmm. uh, available on HBO Max with uh, Jeffrey Tambor, Howard Morris, Leslie Ann Warren, and Mel Brooks. She loves this movie, and it is very memorable, if not... Very, not very 
good. It's very strange. Yeah. I, I was not sure what to expect. I mean, this is the last movie Milbrook stars in of his. Yeah. Like, he, he appears, you know, he's Rabbi Tuckman. I don't know, but that he's, has he ever starred this much in a movie where he is the star? This is his Seth yeah. MacFarlane Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, yeah. He's no, every uh, scene. High Anxiety. Yeah. Oh, high Anxiety, he's, he's yes. star of his movies, uh, gradually. But... Life stinks. He's uh, a billionaire who bets other billionaire Jeffrey Tambor that he can't survive on Skid Row for a month. Mm -hmm. And so it's about him being homeless. And I was expecting this to be so offensive. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, I read the um I read the synopsis and I was kinda like, This feels like a bummer. So I kinda and there's it, it, a lot of It other is a bummer. Things. Yeah. On purpose. It's like it's kind of kind of a little maudlin <laughs> yeah well, like and, the whole middle it stops being a comedy and just is about being homeless and having nowhere to go and having to fend for yourself and like i was really expecting all the jokes to be like at the expense of like the crazy street hobo guy and mm -hmm. there's very little of that it's actually like really heartfelt and has yeah. a lot of sympathy hmm. for people and how the system has failed them and like he grows as a person and he understands like he learns how these people you know that had other lives, how is it they're ending up on the street? And then it like kind of turns back into a comedy at the end. Yeah. And so it's it's very strange, but it is so much more heartfelt than you expect from Mel Brooks hmm. that it's like, uh, I mean, it's not funny, but it's very interesting. Yeah, I thought I thought him playing, I've seen it before, but I'm just like, I can't wait for this. He's going to be playing a loud, obnoxious billionaire, and he just isn't. Like maybe yeah. in the first opening sequence, but yeah, it's, it's just a very sincere film, an oddly sincere film, hmm. considering what he make going forward um, yeah well he's only got two more movies up. Yeah. this is one of the few that's not a parody yeah and after this we get robin hood and dracula dead and loving it mm -hmm. and then we're done in his 90s and he doesn't have to make movies if he doesn't want to and if he doesn't live forever uh, i'll be upset yeah he's and, one of my favorite people in the universe and i appreciate him like ever. going for i mean it's a swing and a miss but it's, it's a swing mm -hmm. and i was I was really expecting it to just be like, look at these crazies. And no, like, it's really like, it treats them like people. And wow. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm kind of stunned. That is kind of progressive did, for that time period. Yeah. It was very, very. At, at, at a loss of like being a super interesting movie. Well, and I mean. I know, I know it's strange, <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, Mel Brooks doing something surprisingly, I think like, I think he just genuinely had something to say. And, yeah, and, that's what it sounds like. All of my favorite movies, Mel Brooks has almost nothing to say other than <laughs> jokes and barbs and comebacks. And yeah, just it, it is interesting for that reason. The next movie is interesting to little Chris's libido. Oh la la! Did anybody uh -huh. get to check it out? Uh, I, hold on, just not going to get not going to drag this into the gutter. It's that I'm a little kid. I don't. I didn't know Jessica Rabbit was a human being that I could see in person. So hearing that voice come out of this person, uh, uh -huh. this is the first time I saw. Kathleen Turner ah. and it, it like stirred something in me that she sounds so much like that is Jessica Rabbit uh, as well as Charles Durning sorry to ruin your boners uh, J.O. Sanders <laughs> and of course Kathleen Turner and V.I. Warshawski <laughs> Kathleen Turner is a private detective who believes in women's rights lefts and uppercuts ah, you let a broad do this to you <laughs> V.I. Warshawski they're trying to kill you they're not doing so good are they rated R <laughs> um yeah, uh, ten sec or like t a tenth of a second away night there. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, this stirs something in me as a Killjoy feminist. Oh. oh because this should have been a series because it is a book series mm -hmm. that is 20 books long. Oh. That's 
crazy that it wasn't more popular. I mean, I don't know. I watched a little bit of it. Sam and I put it on because Sam also has very fond memories of this movie from being a small, <laughs> a small boy. And I, I just couldn't get it. It was not very. It was boring. Is mm, I'm yeah. just gonna say it. It was boring. Yeah, they totally they adapted one of the books uh, really badly. The author was super fucking pissed, and like they tried to make her. It's like they. They're selling it that she's really tough, but they like they tried to soften her mm-hmm. and like she had a love interest and now she's got to like watch out for this kid. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, just make a hard boiled detective movie, but with Kathleen Turner as the detective. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely dude, what that, you're printing money. Because, yeah, isn't the story that she has to like take care of a child at some point? She gets saddled with yeah. a client's child or something like that. Right, right. Ugh. Imagine the billable hours, though. I mean, but- <laughs> Lord. Yeah. Yeah, Because that guy got blown up. Right. Yes. This Mm -hmm. child is now an orphan. Why is the private eye in charge of protecting or watching over? Yeah. No, they just, they, they botched it. They, they fucked it all up. Nobody liked it. It lost money. And that sucks because we should have had like four or five movies of Kathleen Turner as a tough detective who's, you know, she's super sexy, but she can throw a punch like nobody's yeah. business. Yeah. And At the very least, a, a Gina on. Davis reboot two years later. Why abandon this franchise altogether? Absolutely. Yeah. Come on. And if you don't appreciate, like, oh, I don't know a lot about Kathleen Turner, take, like, early 2000s Angelina Jolie and put mm-hmm. her in that part. Mm-hmm. Like, and give her Jessica Rabbit's voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Or someone who's just, like, super sultry and wicked sexy. And then, mm-hmm. like, all of a sudden she's breaking people's noses. And it's like, yes. Yeah. This is a very specific fetish for me. <laughs> what is it? What is, I, I never saw Romancing the Stone until, like, a couple years oh. ago. And oh. she is phenomenal so in that. great. Yeah. yeah. I'm very Love that, that movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely have to watch Body Heat, then, if you haven't watched that. Ooh, I remember we rented that oh. at a slumber party looking for boobs. And we were it really Oh, yeah. that's come. That is coming up on Classic Corner, and that is mandatory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We just, we talked about it for our erotic thrillers episode, and. Do not watch with your parents. Do not (laughs) watch with your parents. (laughs) Unless you're into that. I mean, that's not illegal, right? It is, is, actually. It is is actually illegal. Scratch what I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our advertisers are not going to be happy about that. Man, okay, so, look, if you know me, and and some, some of the listeners do, you know the movie I'm going to complain about and call terrible this week, and it mm-hmm. I didn't watch that one. I watched the next movie. Oh, no. And this is like one of the worst movies I've ever... Like, a beautiful bad movie. A, yeah. An incredibly watchable bad movie that I've never, ever heard of. Anthony Quinn, F. Murray Abraham, Chris Penn, Laura Flynn Boyle, Michael Gambon, Costas Mandalore, Richard Grieco, um, Patrick Dempsey, and Christian Slater. I'm a mobster in Mobsters. Before The Godfather, before Scarface, before there were Goodfellas, they organized crime. I just want to run the dance. Christian Slater, Patrick Dempsey, Richard Grieco, Costas Mandalore. What you said almost forgiven. It is. Monsters rated R. Just, this okay. movie is so stupid. This looks like Young Guns, but mobsters. It's, That's exactly it. Yeah. That's um, what this looks like to me. What it? What it? it what and it, also a terrible name, by the way. Like mobsters, searching for yeah. this. Come on. And it's one of mobsters three movies movie. this year to have like 
Bugsy Siegel in it. <laughs> um, and, and it's like, I think Hollywood does this like every 10 years. They get all a bunch of young actors together, have them play period gangsters, almost these specific gangsters all the time, uh, whether it's Skeet Ulrich or, mm, yep. <laughs> or what's his name, uh, Tom Hardy. They've all made movies that look just like yeah, this. But what's right. really silly about this is that somebody has very clearly seen Goodfellas, and it's the three <laughs> dudes who wrote the script. And by dudes, I mean every character is exactly the same. And the <laughs> only thing they do is the coolest possible thing every <laughs> single every single scene. It is yeah. so silly. There were like it, three instances in the trailer of a guy saying like a snappy comeback and yeah. then shooting someone. <laughs> and uh, just whoa, wonderful period era racism and Christian Slater doing, I think, one of the worst accents I've ever seen. I'm not going to be your fishmonger forever, Pop. My son, what is he doing? Like, it's, it's so, it's one of the silliest films I've ever seen. I encourage you all to watch it. it it's, a, it's a parade of weird accents. Michael Gambon Dumbledore is, yeah. is the, big ba- the big Italian bad, and he just cannot hold on to that Italian oof, accent. Oof, it, can't, oof. Just, it keeps slipping away from him. You do what I do, and why should this be any less real pop <laughs> he just can't hold on <laughs> he can't hold on. this this movie is so silly i meant to grab a clip of it because there's there's several clips that are just so so one but it's also like very expensive and beautiful mm. it looks um, good and, it, and completely forgotten for a reason because it is utterly derivative it is more machismo than art it is utterly unrecommendable except for the fact that it's the silliest thing I've seen in a long time. Is it? It's definitely, it sounds like it's one of those movies where if this was your friend was in it and they showed it to you, you could just say, it, it sure looks like you guys are having fun it out does. there. It does. It, <laughs> it, it feels like, it feels like the movie I'd write when I'm eight and me and Sam are wearing Ghostbusters proton packs <laughs> and we're improvising something that's super, everything we do is super sweet and cool. That's it. but again, it looks okay, but it is so fucking dumb, and it has a Goodfellas narration. Even over as far back as I can remember, I wanted to be oh, you know, no. a gangster in a period piece. Lucky Luciano, yes. who is a gangster, who's yes. a real guy. And it's like talk like a man, walk like a man. It's like the '30s, so I don't. I, well, it's, it's like, like a jazzy version of it. Then <laughs> ten cents a dance, <laughs> more like that. I, I I oddly recommend it, but it is like legitimately <laughs> terrible. After all that, it is legit terrible. Yeah, I remember just thinking it looks so so dumb. Even at the time, I was like, "What? Like, are we supposed to fl- like?" I mean, obviously, it is young guns with mobsters. Yeah. It's the same thing where it's like they're actual historical characters, but we made them sexy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, fine, great, whatever. This is pathetic. They all look like twenty. Yes, they, really? they look like huge babies. Really? <laughs> Especially McDreamy in particular, because he plays like the As Jew Maya who's Lansky. also the heavy. Yeah, he, oh there's all this anti-Semitism in the Italian community that I have never seen personally, but it's like, why are you working with the Jew? He's like, maybe I'll kill him too. Like, God, you're so uh... cool, Christian Slater! And you get to roll with Richard Grieco all the day. He's got two girlfriends. <laughs> uh, this movie is so silly. Has the stupidest title. I looked into like everything these people have made before, and it's all like pretty straight to video B trashiness. And this is like <laughs> one of the writers perfect. is Elia Kazan's son. Yes. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, that's almost as embarrassing as naming names. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, Burn. I, yeah, it's, I think this is technically the worst movie I saw this week, but it, it was transfixing. And I, and I, I recommend it to all. Uh, not a lot of great television in the summer of 91, as, as it goes. Um, the TV movie Into the Badlands with Bruce Dern, Mariel Hemingway, Helen Hunt, and Dylan McDermott. Is this the one where Helen Hunt jumps out a window on drugs? No, that was probably early in the game. No, that was earlier. And, and that was one of the best clips of all time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the finale of Amen, and I can't even remember what that was. Was that the pre-sitcom? Yeah, well, no, he's a deacon. It's deacon. Sherman Holmesley plays a deacon oh. uh, in Philadelphia. And it was it went for five seasons. I think probably this is a pretty big sitcom for a lot of people. Uh, I remember seeing like promos for it and stuff when I was little. But but yeah, I mean, it was a predominantly African-American cast and was kind of part of that whole wave, you know, of of mm. predominantly African-American cast, you know, like The Cosby Show and 227 and all of these. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's very notable. Like the end of that wave, yeah. actually. Yeah. Where, like, the, the big networks won't even do that anymore. Leaving it all to Fox. Uh, say a prayer for Amen. God, I should have worked in hacky fucking headlines and variety back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, no big games to speak of, but man, we have been cranking out 302010 game episodes with uh, Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Pars, and Maddie Allen at quite a clip. We have at least three ready to go. I just got to edit them and treat them, which takes a while. Man, we have so much fun. We will dig really deep into this. And your husband in particular has been digging deeper than normal into the, mm-hmm. the games of this era. So mm-hmm. like these shows are, they're, they're rich. I'll say that much. They're, they're meaty. They'll go, they'll go by very fast, but there's a lot of information on very, very old video games, and I love talking about that kind of stuff. Multiple uh, handhelds released in this period that we get to talk about, and this week's VGA oh. is about handheld consoles that failed going up against Nintendo in honor of whatever Valve's doing. Anyway, moving on to ni- 1991. That's where we are. And music of 1991. Uh, oh, patreon.com slash laser time is where you get that. And I should, did I say our executive producer was Sean Naughton? Thank you, Sean, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. Supports the whole laser time network, including the show. Let's get back into music of 1991, July 23rd to the 29th. Uh, new releases CMB, the debut of Color Me Bad. Oh, it's like, uh, I rarely watch a music video and like, wish I was wearing that. Color Me Bad. I, I, I love that. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. had a lot of them in Boys in the Hood. That one pocket that's a different color from the rest yeah, of the shirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is Never got to wear cool. one of those. Yeah. So I love that shit. Yeah. I always felt that way about the Michael, uh, the George Michael Faith music video. I always wish I had that outfit. Was I still kind of wish I had that outfit. The, and the jeans, the, the jeans? tight jeans, yeah. and the little cross dangly earring. Yeah. Nothing yeah. stopping you, girl. I my Halloween. It's not costume, a bad Halloween. Honestly, costume. Probably I think I probably. I, I call painting your your beard on. <laughs> I, I, I want to. I want to be the one to do that. Okay. All right. Um, we have Breaking Adams by Main Source. That is at this point. Home Base by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I would say one of the most underrated rap combos of that. Is that something the kids say? Rap combos. Uh, I I loved the you know, quick plug for Sonya and TL's live from the pool house, the Fresh mm-hmm. Prince podcast. Yep. Before I loved Fresh Prince, I loved his music because it was I only could like I could only get in like funny music. Sure. And um, mm-hmm. I loved Fresh Prince. God damn. Oh I my just, god. The mm-hmm. other day, mm-hmm. getting jiggy with it came up on my. I'm uh, talking like pre that shit. No, but mm-hmm. I was even shocked. It came on my iPod randomly, and I just. It was like an exorcism. Like the words just came out of me. I did not know how deeply they were inside of me. I love. I and oh, I, I love the story songs of Will Smith. Yeah. They're yes. some of the best. The songs that start with "Well, I." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh. But this this one, it doesn't have as many story songs, but it does have the all time probably the best song about summertime. Summertime, baby. Oh yeah. wow. Summertime. Yeah, we're gonna have to play that this summer. Oh yeah. So good. Yeah. I play that like every summer. And I live in San Francisco where summer doesn't exist. And good I love it anyway. Called. I gotta put that on a playlist or something. Bill start building my summertime playlist. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh music from the Diana Goodman, I mean, for the people by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Wow. Oh, we're going to check in with Marky Mark in a minute. Uh, that's, I never thought he'd live this down. And and it Ooh. is like, it turned out to be like a very small chapter of his life. Look, Marky Mark has had like several yeah. potentially career ruining yeah. incidents. And he, he just managed He blinded this. an Asian man during a hate crime. And he was in the happening. <laughs> Yeah, and then it gets to survive. Uh, gets to keep on keep on going. It's crazy. He's a very tiny man, but he plays only action roles. <laughs> like I think every host of Thirty Twenty Ten could has a chance of beating up Mark Wahlberg as long as it doesn't go too long. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if I get the first shot, maybe potentially, kind of like Tic Tac Toe. Whoever gets the first shot, has a better chance. But I guess the white rapper thing isn't like a huge novelty anymore. But before it was like this this shirtless model who decides he's a rapper. And travels with a group called the Funky Bunch, which yeah. I, I cannot draw bro- from memory. And his brother's in a boy band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Come on. And he wants to be called Marky Mark. Oh, for God's Marky sake. Mark. It's so embarrassing. And it's like, it's like if you brought that up to his face now, you'd, you'd look like the asshole. But I'm, but like people would write about him when he started acting as Mark, Marky Mark left his Funky Bunch behind his pursuit <laughs> acting work. And... Anyway, anyway, every good boy deserves fudge by Mud Honey, teaching you how to read music. Great. Yep. Um, and uh, well, let's close out of 1991. Oh, it begins! Oh wow! Finally, Woo. everything I do, parenthetical, I do it for you. Uh, this Look, song is so. <laughs> what? Starting a song title with a parenthetical, first of all, is a very baller move. I feel like <laughs> if you start a song title with a punctuation. I always, I always thought they did that because there were too many song titles titled the non-parenthetical. Really? But I don't. I, that was my because if you look at it, the non-parenthetical, like, oh, there's a lot of songs called that. Well, it's like whenever usually you see the parenthetical on the second part of the title, and it's kind yeah. of the part you say under your breath a little bit. Or yeah, it's but like, it's like weird to have it in the front of the title. Yeah. <laughs> But every, why like, is it parenthetical? Why? It's because he says it repeatedly. It's not like the backup singers are saying it, could, and I, it's not like it shortens the song title because you still have to <laughs> type it out every time. Yeah, and it does. It does sound like it's it's being said by a mad scientist if you say the whole full song title. I've always called it "Everything I Do" by Brian Adams, off of the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves soundtrack. Yeah. Which, I guess I'll give him some credit. It took this long for it to make it to number one. Oof. It's It's been a little bit yeah, since we had talked about Robin Hood. True. Right. True. I really thought it would be like the next week. And cur- yeah. In the current climate, this would have been dead. We never would have talked about it again. Yep. Yeah. This but would no. have been Cobra Starship, Snakes on a Plane song. We, <laughs> this wouldn't have hit and we never talk about it again. Oh, it's going to be number one for so long. Oh, man. I wish I knew how many people had this as their first dance for the wedding. Okay. So many. Everyone. No. Oh. <laughs> I had very cool songs for my wedding. Thank you. Um, Literally everyone for the rest of 1991 and into 1992. Pretty much. It was the law. They passed a law in several states. That's yeah. true. I forgot about that. And also every prom, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. If you're turning 29 in three months right now, <laughs> and your parents are 17 years older than you, <laughs> it's kind of a prank. Yeah, your mom was thinking of Kevin Costner's mullet. Yeah. Humming this song. 
Oh. Uh. Anyway, we're going to close that with that. Uh, <laughs> Brian Adams, it's number one this week. Please, people, stick, stick around. 2001 is going to get ugly. Don't It is summer. The sun's out in full force, which means you and your friends should be out at the pool or the beach when you do venture out. Hopefully, you're not rocking that unsightly body hair or those disgusting post-pandemic toenails. <sighs> Nothing gives a below-the-belt blow to your confidence more than looking like you're wearing a sweater made of body hair at the pool. Gross! Don't worry, my friends. Our friends at Manscaped have you covered, so you can uncover to beat the heat. They just launched their fourth-generation performance package and their Shears 2.0 Nail Grooming Kit. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer will change the way you approach your grooming routine. This fourth-generation trimmer features advanced skin-safe technology to reduce grooming nicks and cuts. You don't want any ingrown hairs or snags on your boys before beach season. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, an on-off travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on and off this trimmer is also waterproof so you can trim in the shower and not worry about any cleanup on aisle d d is in these nuts <laughs> the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top and your nose and ears the weed whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9000 rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system <sighs> This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in all the sensitive little nostrils and ears of yours. Oh, little sensitive baby. Mm-mm, little up. Uh, once you're finished mowing the lawn and trimming back those weeds, use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to keep you on your game in the heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. It's also flip-flop season, which means you want your feet and toes to look their best. Enter the Shears 2.0 Nail Grooming Kit. This luxury four-piece nail grooming kit features tempered stainless steel tools and includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Easy for me to say. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Tame the summer swamp in your pants with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Coming into 2001 with, oh, The Middle by Jimmy World off of the album at this point called Bleed American. For now, it's called Bleed American, Ooh. yes. Um, and then had Shan't to be, be called that for long, Renamed though. in less than two months for, again, I, I always see this date coming and I'm like, I don't even know what we're supposed to do during all that. Yeah, I know. Um, well, let's not talk about that yet. Let's talk about Bleed American, which is a great one album. of my favorite albums of all time. I feel like yeah. it's pretty much a perfect album, honestly. Like, every song is so... The sweetness? The sweetness <laughs> is so good. Like, every song is good on this. It's it's hard for me to even pick which one is my favorite. And the middle is, like, 
during the time when this came out, like that meant a lot to me in high school, and I think yeah. it probably meant a lot to a lot of you know people, young people who feel the they're able to put into words the feeling of being in the middle, where you just mm-hmm. feel like. Don't write yourself off yet. Yeah, don't like do, yeah. Don't. <laughs> being a teenager is so hard, and you just feel like I remember getting made fun of for listening to it because I think my well, friends I will kill them. graduating into, into the punk rockers are going more hardcore or more uh, artsy fartsy, and mm. I was riding around with this mm. in my car with no shame. I love this album. I love it so oh, much. It's um, fun, yeah. you know. I mean, it's pop punk, I mm-hmm. guess. Yep. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, and yeah. then they had the yeah, those the, were not really your friends. No, no, no. You have to understand that. See, that this this band was huge with that group of people. This is their like major label breakthrough hit. So of course right. they hate it. Right. And um, yeah, and- I mean, all the like real heads love clarity, which is I think that came before this. I'm pretty sure. Um, and so <laughs> oh, I'm gonna fact check myself real quick. But um, now let the comments do that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Everyone's so nice about it whenever yeah. they do it. So why would I worry? Uh, um, once again, offers on the table. I will pay to. <laughs> Pay to host your accuracy podcast, and then you can listen to reviews of yourself. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, clarity came first. Offers um, always on the table. But yeah, it's I, I just love Jimmy World. They're still making music. I just bought their new album, and it sounds very similar to their stuff. But that's why I like it. So who cares? Mm-hmm. Who cares? And yeah, uh, yeah a great one of those uh, great band names. But I, what was that fucking Onion article like? Jimmy World. Uh, tops list for worst band acronyms. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. That merch, you got to be careful. <laughs> Just you know, uh, and I yes, I had at least one Jimmy World T-shirt. I like Jews I old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. I was to- into Jews way before you were. <laughs> Jewish po- Jew poser. Uh, Two thousand one. That's where we're at. July twenty third to the 29th. Other things that are out this week include Firstborn Second uh, by Bilem. Rings Around the World by Super Furry Animals. Oh, boy. Uh, Celebrity, the fourth and final album from Insect. Their last album is 20 years that ago? That is wild yep. to me. Because they're like, they perform like every night in Vegas. It seems like they had a much longer run than they actually did. Yeah, because they, they, yeah. like, they still have a tour happening, a weird one. With, Without JT? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With, but with Backstreet Boys and New Kids, I think they were oh, cool. all on tour yeah. together, like a big tour. Yeah, Macky Mac. Yeah. Comes up again. We call it the Giant Panty Dropper Tour. Sure. Um, but yep. the and a Comfort Eagle by Cake is out. Oh. Um, Got their big hit on it. Yeah. What? You know we're going out with it. Um, the world's easiest karaoke song. Oh, right. oh yeah. The special brand of talk singing. And yep. a fantastic music video. Yeah. Really fun music video. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Contact, oh, Contact by Eiffel 65. I was just thinking about my console the other day. Which is a song where the guy is literally just reading off his game collection. <laughs> By Eiffel 65, Tomb Raider and Resident <laughs> Evil. And like, it's, it's so silly. Look at my console. Uh, and then so- uh, Sounding the Seventh Trumpet by Avenged Sevenfold, which I feel like I always know who they are, but I don't really. Yeah, same here. And You Remind Me by Usher is number one. A little bit of news bring you into 2001 before we get into the entertainment because, man, hey. it's a big week for me. Yeah, so this is a new story I just stumbled upon and like ended up going down this weird historic rabbit hole like I like to do. But Simeon Saxe-Coburg-Gotha, who was the czar of Bulgaria for about a year when he was six years old during World War II, um, he was sworn in as prime minister, becoming only the second monarch in history to regain political power through democratic election to a different office. Wow. Who's the first? The first is in Cambodia. Ah. 
before the camera rouge uh where yeah the the king ran for election and he got elected but more more interestingly That's he unfair. simeon uh i think he's simeon the second simeon sex coburg gotha is still alive he's in his 80s and he is the last person alive to ever hold the title czar huh like in the world or bulgaria in the world. Wow. <laughs> you know anyone else that has czars? No. Uh, no, Nothing. they shot I mean, him in 1918, so no. We got your drug czars and your blah, blah, blahs yeah. here in the United States. I guess that doesn't count. It's true. No. Well, I I love that. Oh, God, who was it? Some some awful commentator suggested it was like, anti-Semitism is a problem. We need an anti-Semitism czar. And every <laughs> Jew in the country immediately went, don't put those words together. <laughs> Stop it, boy. And then. We um, don't like czars don't. They don't huh. much. Yeah. My uncle was working for this guy at one, this point. Uh, but then, uh, a little sad. The, probably an entertainer having their worst year. Mariah Carey checks into a hospital for extreme exhaustion after dropping the TRL and acting very strange, stripping and pushing an ice cream cart. She's later diagnosed as bipolar. Mm. Yeah, I remember at the time, everyone saying, like, is she drunk? She's yeah. all coked up. And I was like, she, if you've ever been someone in a manic phase, mm -hmm. like, just been around one, I was like, mm, I think she might be manic right now. Has, and, yeah. I feel like... Uh, I haven't gone back and watched that clip. I'm mm -hmm. sure you can find it on YouTube, but I have heard yeah, that it's so. not as bad as people remember. I it's just it, really it uncomfortable. For, it was yeah. odd for her, yeah, because yeah. she is she is she has only recently broken out of like her je jean shorts and flannel shirt phase and mm. become mm -hmm. someone to show a little cleavage. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just she was kind of squeaky clean for a while up mm. and up until this point. And knowing a little more about manic stuff now, I just can't imagine how that has to be exacerbated by someone in her position and that kind of fame. Holy yeah. shit. Well, yeah. not to mention too, I mean, I do think that like many women in the music industry, like the whole industry pretty much ran roughshod over her for so long. And, mm -hmm. you know, she... Yeah, she made her money, but she is like literally making everyone around her millionaires. And I, I just can't imagine that kind of pressure on someone who might have also this bipolar thing in mm -hmm. the back. And just treated like an object for so long. Yeah. And I mean, by all accounts, she's like very smart, very savvy yeah. person. Like, but just, uh, yeah, anyone would break under that kind yeah. of pressure. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. And just that like people aren't really telling you no. Right. So if you're just like, I want to go on TRL, like 20 people are now going to make that happen off of your weird whim that's because the chemicals in your brain are telling you dumb things well yeah and even if they those people are thinking this is probably not a good idea they're still going to say yes because at least it. it'll right. make headlines at least she'll be in the news like doesn't matter how it affects her personally people are going to be talking about no her bad publicity mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so i said the theme of this episode is things that were botched here we have a good movie but yeah. i'm still calling yes. it botched because they did not roll this out properly and yep. it absolutely bombed at the box office yeah. and only did well once it hit DVD on word of mouth. And now it's a cult classic. I, mm -hmm. I toured this around to everyone I knew for months when it was on DVD and everybody loved it. It is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Mm -hmm. It, uh, I love reading off the cast list, especially at the top, the first role from recent graduate of acting little Bradley Cooper. Uh, it's just it's his first movie. Jenkintown. If, if you represent haven't, Jenkintown. If you haven't seen, there's a um 
uh, Netflix put up, there's like a full length documentary behind the scenes of White Hot American Summer. And he is so young. He's like just out of college or something. Like it's his first yeah. role. Wow. And he's, he's like really pale. For a movie that takes place in the summer, everyone's pretty bad. Yeah. You know what? You yeah. know, you know what you could say is botched if you watch this movie closely. It's yeah. a movie about summer camp. It is raining the entire time. Yeah. And they yep. somehow try and make it work. And it's amazing I, how somehow like and they can t- they can move a filter a little bit and change mm-hmm. focus and you can sort of not see it, but it is raining in almost every shot. I did notice that rewatching it, but I don't think it registered because I live in Florida yeah. and it's summertime. It <laughs> rains constantly. So yeah. I was like, yeah, of course, summertime. It's always raining. Yeah. Uh, this cast, Amy Poehler, uh, Zach Orth, Michael Ian Black, Ken Marino, Michael Showalter, Christopher Maloney. <laughs> Fondling I'm his sweaters. I'm going to go fondle my sweaters. <laughs> Molly Shannon uh, shooting in like a different world. Uh, Paul Rudd. <laughs> One of my favorite roles ever from David Hyde Pierce mm-hmm. and um, Janine Garofalo. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Wet Hot American Summer. This summer, take a trip back to 1981 with the special people who made summer camp unforgettable. You guys aren't supposed to be out of your bunks. Trouble. The camp director. Four campers are stuck in the ropes course. I meant to tell you about that yesterday. Could you get to it now? <laughs> the counselors. Wait for me, Abby Bernstein. Wait for me, my darling. Wait, wait, wait. Last Wednesday, I got my shirt. Fucking love this movie. It's perfect. It's so good. And also it's... Elizabeth Banks, baby yeah, Elizabeth, Banks, baby Elizabeth Banks. Banks. Elizabeth Banks, Joe Latrulio, Marissa mm-hmm. Ryan, the voice oh, of H. John Benjamin as a can of mixed vegetables. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can suck his own dick. Dave and I would quote this movie all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even can you get some lube for my pussy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so, I mean, it is like the perfect cult film in that it, review-wise, did very poorly. Oh, I, only, I remember Entertainment Weekly gave it an A. And only I, Entertainment Weekly and like one other guy, maybe Chicago. I've, someone else was like, this is really fun. They got it. A lot of other people, Roger Ebert fucking hated it. Really? He wrote a whole parody of Hello Mudda, Hello Fada about how much he hates it. And he only liked David Hyde Pierce. What? <laughs> he is, but, he is yeah, unbelievably funny in this. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's weird because, I mean, it's largely a parody of 80s summer camp Porky's style shenanigans movies but even without that filter it's still really funny it's, yes it's fun and that's why netflix spun it into a prequel and a sequel series because it's just it's largely absurd which i don't love as much as what on american summer because it's a perfect 90 minute movie mm-hmm. yeah. it is so much fun and like i just remember it was one of the first parodies i ever saw where like at most, this is parodying like a dozen movies, and that's a, I think that's a stretch. It's parodying like yeah. five movies. But is but it? Is it? It's not a parody to me. It doesn't seem like a parody where they actually like are lifting scenes from. No, it's, no. it's, it's the, just the, vibe. the feel and the, the vibe, vibe and the feeling which is yeah. great. I think yeah. that's the best way to do a parody, honestly, because you don't have the baggage of what other. One of my what, favorite scenes. Any other is movie. Pep talking the baseball team like, look, I know we've been pretty bad, but we got pretty good together, and like. Why don't we just not do this? This yeah. feels pretty, pretty trite. And he walks on the bus and like they were totally cool with it. Yeah. We don't have to do this now. <laughs> yeah, this this movie is great, and I think it's if you think of it as a parody of like just eighties movies in general. I because I, some of the stuff I think it's parodying is like slasher movies, like yeah. the camp scenes in the slasher movies. Well, yeah, Sleepaway Camp, man. Yeah, and, and, fr- and Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, and it, I, I think some of the I don't know that's because that's what I'd seen more of than like. Uh, what are the what are the famous camp movies? Uh, 
what's the one that's the acronym? Let's oh, goop. Never mind. I don't know. But yeah, meatballs. Oh, mentioned that one before. Did, Very I, meatballs. did, I, did I mention my favorite Norm McDonald joke I heard recently? You, you did last okay. week. Yeah. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> not doing it again. Um, <laughs> it's good someone's on Norm McDonald watch on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it all the time. Yeah, it is. I always think about the scene where they go into town. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's that's the best part. That whole series is hilarious, but I have like just burned into my memory when someone comes out with like a can, the beer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Janine Garofalo is just like punching yes. the air in excitement. Michael Showalter just headbanging. It's just too excited. <laughs> and I love it's it six so beers much. for seven people. Yeah. She's <laughs> just like punching so hard. It's so funny. And then also like the tenderest romance mm-hmm. is also part of this movie, which between Michael Ian Black and Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Oh, so That's sweet. What, I remember seeing the, the pictures for the movie was Janine Garofalo marrying Michael Showalter to Bradley Cooper, which is one, a major spoiler, but doesn't give <laughs> off the vibe that the movie, I, I didn't understand what the movie was like mm. when, when those publicity yeah. stills came out. Well, and it does, this movie does such a good job of not making fun of those characters yeah. though, which mm. is like very thin line. I think for some places, it's some, pretty for some people to wonderful walk. love scene. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like treats the characters so well. Oh, and, and finding, I don't know if anybody did it first, but I, I wasn't a Law and Order viewer. I was a Oz viewer, but finding the comedic brilliance of Christopher Maloney. Oh my gosh, I know. Oh my God. Uh, who is absolutely wonderful in this is Gene. He's just so fucking good. Yeah. He's uh, really, he just hits that note of just unhinged so well. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. I'm going to go get my dick cream. <laughs> what you say? Do you shut up? You shut up. Uh, I. <laughs> This is this, and also I, Bradley Cooper and Amy Poehler as theater people. Yeah. Oh, oh God, my God, I love any send up of theater kids, theater type people because they do it so perfectly. <laughs> I mean, obviously they were in like these theater people circles because the way that they talk and the way that. They- interact is so perfect for theater kids i remember doing it as a diana on a podcast but i can't anytime someone says day by day i always go day by day (laughs) (laughs) we're not doing a good job selling the movie just by quoting reference but that's what this movie is and it's uh it's it's a comedy classic for a reason i'm pretty sure it's still on netflix because it kind of needs to be Mm -hmm. there to give context to two seasons of its original series mm. at this point, which I think was a bit overkill, but that was also part of the joke. They made a prequel 20 years later to this <laughs> 80s movie with everybody looks so much older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're already supposed to be teenagers and they're clearly like all pushing 30. Right. Mostly. And then, yeah, 20 years later, it's earlier, but now everyone's in their 40s and they're yeah. just pretending like, yeah, we just put on short shorts. It's like, come on, everybody. And the soundtrack is is just wonderful with some Jefferson airplane in there, but that, that higher and higher song that Chris Pine sings in the prequel. I listen to it all the time. Cause the camper at the very end of the song says very quietly, he saved friendship with the song. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I love this movie so fucking much. It's so good. I love it too. I, I, uh, yeah. I cannot recommend wet hot American summer enough this week. Yeah. And, and this is yeah. so tragically not what I was in theater seeing. No, I was, in the Ugh. theater, seeing with the absolute highest possible hopes. This oh, no. is. So I haven't even asked Sarah about her experience. Oof. I've been. Yes. I've been waiting for the show because I cannot believe what you did this weekend. Yeah. Out of duty to the show. That's right. That's it's much I it's love a y'all. huge cast. Um, Chris Christopherson, Estella Warren, Michael Clark Duncan, Helena Bottom Carter, 
Tim Roth, Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark Wahlberg, in a special appearance by Charlton Heston. Uh, number one at the box office this week, Tim Burton's Immortal, Planet of the Apes. In a world where freedom is history. Where am I? What is this place? Get him out! And get him clean! Brutality is long. Rise on your master. The powerful rule by fear. Next you'll be telling us these beasts have a soul. <laughs> is there a soul in there? It's disgusting the way we treat humans. How the hell do they get like this? What other way would they be? If they see you on the street, they kill you on sight. You stay here, you're dead. Which are you from? United States Air Force. I'm going back. Some humans have escaped. Is there another way out of the city? I can show you the way. Uh, How could we have forgotten to name check Paul Giamatti? I know. I <laughs> fucking orangutan makeup. You know how long it took to get into? <laughs> We've been uh, watching Billions recently. It was a real treat to see him in this movie. <laughs> So let me introduce us to the 20th anniversary of this new term. It's not a remake. It's a reimagining. Oh, Oh, that's right. Jazz hands. Well, apparently that involves reimagining like this beautiful desert landscape from the original and just then going and shooting a new movie in a rainforest cafe. Thank you. (laughs) Holy shit. That's exactly what it looks like. So Sarah, for the show, like wakes me up early on like a Saturday and like with look what I'm doing. And it's Charlton Heston stuck in a net. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, what did you do? I watched the original because I had never seen it before. To, to get oh. context so for that, why this sucks. So that I would be able to original. talk about it. Yes. Yes. Um, and look, y'all, the original is very silly. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. It's very heavy handed. It's not bad though. It's, it's very heavy handed. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. And it's absolutely perfect for the time period. I think the mm-hmm. acting is perfect for the movie like the movie knows what it is it's about it's about a cynical republican who learns to love humanity again with with the most spoiled ending of all time yes it's on the dvd cover it's on the cover that is (laughs) it's so ridiculous and it's written by rod serling so it is the biggest twilight zone episode ever made oh of course it is a yes watershed of like makeup and effects if you i almost sent it to you the clip of they had to create an award for makeup in the oscars this year and Walter Matthau in a chimp presents it to John Chambers because like wow. all of Hollywood was like had to be like called in like we need so many people to do makeup. It's amazing. It's still a big movie and it looks big. And this yeah. movie, I remember we have a commentary on uh, patreon.com slash laser time that we did of this film because I I love Planet of the Apes. The original I think is one of the most flawless movies I've ever seen. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. And this is a really, really bad over theatrical play on closed sets go coming from this other movie that is just these beautiful sets in the middle of uh, the Los Angeles uh, I mean, what, what's that state park it used to be the Fox mm-hmm. lot well it's yeah. right there on the Grand Canyon right no no it's somewhere in uh, in, in southern California oh okay yeah. mm-hmm. and, but it's it, it's it's gorgeous and it looks and, and this is like so con- it's like tightly contained yeah. and fake mm-hmm. and yeah. like all oh, the leaves look plastic I'm like to, what was Tim yeah. Burton's movie before this cuz like he wasn't People weren't making fun of him for being remake master or uh, yeah. No, we we need to talk about Tim Burton's career because this is this it, is the beginning. This, of, this, uh, is, this is the point. well. This is the jumping the shark moment. This uh. is his, this is this worst movie, and he never comes back from it, as far as I'm concerned, in his filmography. Mm. He was on probably the best run I have ever just yeah. existed. Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, Edward Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow. It's Sleepy Hollow. Is flawed but very watchable, yeah. and it's it's got that Timmy Burton feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this, all of those had that Timmy Burton feeling. Yeah, and this is just like 
what are you, why? This, what are you doing? Yeah, what this, attracted you? This feels like the studios are throwing him like Superman money. Oh, he can do anything. He can remake any franchise. And I, I don't see any passion for the original in this. It does not <clears throat> feel like a Tim Burton movie mm-hmm. at all. Like there's no, uh, none of the Tim Burton stuff that we love is yeah, in this. There's no camp or sweetness or It looks or like heart. Congo. <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. It's it's just there's a lot of spectacle. Mm-hmm. Uh and there's a lot of like running and Danny Elfman percussion music. Mm-hmm. And the plot makes so little never, sense. Never gonna beat that original Goldsmith score, which is mostly Oh, it's great. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> That's and then you true. bang on pans yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like it, it just feels like a bad retread of the original. And then they tacked on a bunch of other shit that makes no sense. Like, the middle of the movie is pretty close to plot-wise the original. Eh? Sort of? Kind of? A man out of time like, figuring yeah, out, a like, man, why... Yeah, a spaceman lands somewhere, and oh my god, apes are in control, and humans, humans are, are, are slaves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but it starts with a bunch of space nonsense, mm-hmm. and then it ends with a twist that even Marky Marcus said, I can't tell you. That makes no sense. I don't I, know I have had people send oh, are me... are you talking about Abraham Lincoln? Yes. <laughs> I've had people send me articles I'm like, no, this is why it makes sense. I'm like, this article is 2,000 words. If the ending needs 2,000 words to be But describe, make it make sense then. It, it, yeah, it doesn't. I, I remember one of them like, I guess that makes sense. It's still fucking stupid. It's no, fu- it requires someone to like go back in time with no one noticing them and then coming back with other guys. Like, no. It, it, it requires no. someone. I think somebody what? even like, yeah, someone, uh, Tim Roth's character, Biff Tan in his ship and brought it back. It's what right. you're seeing is is what? is Marky Mark going back to Back to the Future Two, where Biff Tannen runs the whole town in the casino, and like, shut the fuck up! This is so stupid. This is so stupid. And all and all Tim Burton, and that's why I think people rightfully turned on him because for Tim Burton, all this movie needed was a twist to make it worthwhile. Mm, so he yeah. added a twist, but it doesn't make any sense, and it's Mm-mm. fucking stupid. Doesn't pay off because in the original. Oh, just to go, just for people who don't know, and I'm sure they do. Charlton Heston uh, flies off on a mission. They land, they crash land on a planet. There's apes that are evolved and humans who are unevolved, and they realize uh, it's been Earth all along, four thousand years in the future, and uh, we flew ourselves up and made ourselves stupid. And this sucks. Right when Charlton Heston learned to love humanity again. In this movie, uh, same same thing. Guy flies off on a mission, lands on a re- planet he doesn't know what it is, but apes are evolved, uh, humans are not. And then he gets in his spaceship and fucking leaves, goes back to Earth, and sees the the, the Lincoln Monument now has an ape face. Right. And, we, and it's we, not just an ape face, it's specifically Tim Roth. Yes. And then it we. Says it's in honor of him. And then we close. And like. Yeah. What? What the fuck does this mean? Well, yes. And also, in this one, the 2001 one that we're talking about, mm-hmm. like, the humans aren't stupid. Yeah. They're no, not. Yeah. They're just. Like enslaved, just yeah, yeah. But like, because in the in the well, original, they're subservient to apes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in the original, they're not. Yes, the mm. humans are basically mute, and mm. like you know, there's obviously there, there's great lore behind different. that. Like when yeah. we we learn, and they use it in the remakes too. When we we lose the ability to communicate, we get a little more primal, mm. and we mm. lose we lose an aspect of humanity. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, the, the new ones are really good, by the way. I so know, like you can I know, I need to see this. But also the original. Like, again, by me saying that the original is silly, I am not putting it down at all because it's, it's I do. Camp. It, it's camp. It, perfect. It's, it's it is, really heavy handed, but like 
But that's okay. The movie knows what it is and knows what it's doing and what it's supposed to do. And so that's why it's successful. It also... this lovemaking with no love. (laughs) (laughs) It also has some very harrowing moments and Mm -hmm. some very like... Great action sequences still. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. some really kind of scary imagery. Mm -hmm. I mean, when he sees his friend who's been blinded, like... Landon? That is terrifying. And the friend who has the the head injury, like... Those are really scary sequences, and you can really like feel. You cut out his brain. <laughs> I mean, Charlton Heston. Oh, yeah. He's the best. Chewing the for scenery it every time. <laughs> yeah, and then this one. No, I mean, I I can think of a couple nice things to say about it. The makeup work is astounding. Mm-hmm. It it really is, and I think. Uh, yeah, Paul Giamatti's probably the best guy in it. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan is fine. He doesn't have much to do. It's another one of those fun stories where he got injured and they had to take him to the hospital in full ape makeup. Wow. And the nurses no. got scared because there's a fucking gorilla in here. <laughs> oh, no. <clears throat> like, okay, I love stories like that. I hate referring people just to, like, the Wikipedia page. But the Wikipedia page for Planet of the Apes 2001 has the longest freaking article on the development yeah. of making a new franchise. Yeah. That goes back to, like the mid 80s yeah fox had been and it, it's everyone why... got attached at some point or another they talked to peter jackson arnold schwarzenegger was signed for a long time they had sam raimi they had oliver stone they had james cameron got involved wow. and then he made titanic and they're like well he doesn't need us anymore <laughs> and there's like a couple different scripts that like they were in pre-production and every script that they described sounds so much better than this one i don't understand how this is the one that they filmed when every every uh, there's so many other iterations of this that sound interesting one that was sort of like a spartacus kind of thing about a human uprising Mm. Uh, another one one of the best things in here i've heard this story before that there was one that was almost ready to be filmed and an executive wanted them to lighten the mood by putting in a scene with apes playing baseball and the writer (laughs) didn't and so they canceled the movie well, we saw how well that worked hurt. out for Twilight. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's like, and, and not not to bore anybody because I love the Planet of the Apes films, literally all of them except for this one. The worst '70s one is still better than this one. Mm. But all yep. the Planet of the Apes movies have heavy-handed, though it may be, a point mm-hmm. to make about society and dominance and subservience. It just like these beautiful, heady points. What does this movie have to say about fucking anything? Unclear. I, like it's zero. Maybe may there's like a little stupid. bit about racism. There's a little bit of racism. Yeah. I yeah. suppose. I can see that. But like compare that to like Conquest for the Planet of the Apes, which is remade into Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Like yeah. that is like a literal uprising against your oppressors. Fucking astounding. Like a, a, a like a metaphor hidden in a perfect two perfect action films. And and there's none of that here because that's not yeah. what Tim Burton saw. And I don't know how he ended up like staying attached to this for so long. Because like like so Diana said, like like this is other directors that seem much better suited. It's why I hate Fox and like when they were bought by Disney. I'm like, yeah, they're a shitty studio. They they had this huge <laughs> hit with Planet of the Apes. They wasted it. They gave every movie less money. They they made them work with very little. And then like years later, like we got to reboot this series. Like what if you were good to it when it was around? What if you found a young director to attach to this mm-hmm. who gives a shit and really loves it? Instead, you just like, we're going to aim at the highest possible director every time until we never get this done. And, and, and this is what we end up with. And it's, I, I just, yeah. Souring on Tim Burton was really hard for me mm-hmm. Yeah, at this mm-hmm. point. Cause I'm not even like, I'm a fledgling film nerd. And, but like, 
Tim Burton straddles nostalgia and academia in terms of that. Like he's awesome. And then he makes this pile of fucking shit and it's horrible from like the first 10 minutes. It's it's so bad. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, some of it they're saying like, oh, they set a release date and then they really had to push them hard to get it to that date, which is like, okay, so studio tampering, I I got you, but I still, I don't, I don't understand. Like this, this script went through multiple drafts with multiple writers and, and this is the best you yeah. could do it, it, like why it's why those, would you do this i don't see uh, if it's the so movie, boring if a movie comes yeah, to theaters today there is no way it'll be as bad as this movie because there's a process to yeah. make even bad movies a seven out of ten and this is a three out of ten Oof. and i just it's a it's so expensive and there yeah i loved watching the behind the scenes of like the apes running because they like they got an ATV and like dragged a carpet and the apes would run on that carpet. So it looks mm-hmm. like they're moving super fast as they're running, but it's the practical effect. That's neat. Something That's they cool. didn't do in the first movie. Yeah. Um, and other than that, I have no praise for this film at all. None. Zero. I don't care about the no. makeup. I don't care about Charlton Heston's cameo. I'd rather watch him in that, uh, what was that Stephen King movie where he was the publisher? Uh, True Lies, better Charlton Heston <laughs> cameo. And he says so many better things like, my God, and, <laughs> and this he does his line, which sucks. Uh, it's so cringy. I, I just don't. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what anyone was thinking. Yeah, it's it's awful. It is so unbelievably awful. Yeah. And I I recommend like I own so many Planet of the Apes versions, mm-hmm. and I I will not have this in my home. I don't. I want this scrub from the record because <laughs> otherwise, this to me is like a pretty flawless series, especially those new ones. They are so good. Some yeah. of the best trilogy of our modern era. Whoa, whoa, I got whoa. good news for you for next week. We can wait. get the taste out of our mouths. Can't wait. Wow. And, and once again, I love saying that if you haven't seen the Planet of the Apes remakes, they are the good versions of George Lucas. They have been updating the effects with every release to make them better and not noticeable by not changing complete tones and yeah. intentions, but just upgrading the motion capture technology cool. as they release stuff. So I know I watched one on a 4k Blu-ray and then I saw one on television. I'm like these look completely different. Uh, so get a new, get a new copy. I, uh, okay. if, if it's coming up, you say next week. Mm-hmm. Jeez, yep. really? Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, this made a big pile of money. It was expensive, mm-hmm. but it made a giant pile of money because it is a lot of spectacle. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's very, it's, it's much more action. It's, it's, yeah. it's Tim Burton, a, a bankable yeah. director. It's a uh, Mark Wahlberg. It's very, yeah, a movie it's, star. It's a it's a recognizable franchise. So everyone yeah. went to see it the first week. I I can't imagine people went the second because yeah. Well, just because the action. I mean, every every positive review on it is pretty much like the spectacle and the action mm-hmm. are are pretty good. It's neat to watch that the apes can you know jump really far and the makeup is really good and yeah whatever. But it's like the, the plot is kind of dumb. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So yeah, so it did great like overseas where, well, you don't need to translate the dialogue because it's not very complicated. Mm. Yeah, I, and I can make comments on the show that are just like catty. I hate very few things. I <laughs> fucking hate this movie. <laughs> you see, I talked about mobsters, like yeah, a bad movie. Yeah. That, like you, everybody watch it. It's totally. so fun. Do not watch this. Shun this movie. Shun people you know who like it. Well, you know that and- I love spectacle because I enjoyed <laughs> Dick Tracy and Cats. And this is not the spectacle that I like to see. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I hate this yeah. movie so fucking much. But I'm glad I watched the original. I can't That's believe you did some that. good came from this. When you walk into my home, the first thing you see is a, a 40th anniversary Planet of the Apes poster. Yeah. I'm, 
made sure of that. I love Planet of the Apes and all its cool merchandise is unobtainable because it's so old. Yeah. Um, sure. But don't watch this movie at all. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh my, oh my God, uh, TV, get out of the way because there's only one thing worth talking about. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. In the UK, the show Brass Eye airs its Peto Geddens episode, uh, which draws thou- thousands of complaints. Uh, and- I think it's the most complaints like pre-internet. <laughs> wow. And there is an internet now, but now they get like 40,000 complaints about something. Back then, if they got, they got like 4,000 complaints. They were like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were ordered by the TV commission to broadcast an apology. And I remember just, I, I worked for a British company with a lot of people from across the pond. And we're talking about the daily show. Like this is like 15 years ago. And like, is there a British equivalent of the daily show? I'm like, well, there was brass eye. And like, what's brass eye. And then like, you've never heard of pedo Geddon. And it was like, it's one of the few times where like everyone come in this office, do not tell HR we're doing this. And we're going to watch this, like the most controversial episode of the show ever. And it's it's called Pedo Geddon. It's a it's not a Daily Show parody. It's more like a 2020 parody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, I forget who the guy the, the creator is, but he's gone on to do a bunch of great movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and but this is an episode sensationalizing pedophilia in some really funny. We've trapped a pedo on this rocket ship with a young boy to see, and it moves oh, so no. fast. <laughs> oh my god, it moves so fast. So you can find it on like Daily Motion. You have to look up Pedo Geddon, the British spelling P A E D O. Chris Morris, the creator of Brass Eye, Chris and Morris. he's he's done a bunch of stuff. And there's Poor like Ryan. a ton of recognizable people. You know, Simon Pegg is in there, and like mm. these people. But it's it's satirizing the media most of all yes. of the, their obsession with like this thing you should be scared of and so they they sensationalize the idea that yeah pedos are everywhere like look at this guy this, this guy disguised himself as a school to lure children <laughs> <laughs> and it's like to to save all the children in britain we've rounded them up and we're putting them in all these stadiums and we put these uh remote control devices on them that if a pedo comes near them can be activated and they'll be covered in raw sewage <laughs> it's it's one of the most breathlessly fun thing funny things I've ever seen that is a little wrong, but also like oh. the right kind of wrong. It is it is so much fun. Yeah, and it it goes by so fast. But the other thing is that Brass Eye was kind of spun off of the day today, which is more that's closer to like what the Daily Show yeah. is. And Brass Eye ran back in '97, mm-hmm. and because it's a British show, there's like six, eight episodes, yeah. whatever. And then this comes back as a series, so people maybe don't associate that it's that same show. There aren't any warnings on it or anything right. letting you know that this is a parody. So and, and I don't, I, I'm not, I'm an American. Well. My perception of the BBC is that, that everyone's getting this channel and it might be kind of a war of the world situation. We're mm. like, is this real? I'm going to w- yeah. watch this cause but, this is real. Cause it feels real in the beginning until it like, it's so absurd. How could yeah. you? How could but you then do? there's also like a lot of things that don't translate 20 years later. And you're American where it's like, mm. They they've got like famous people to come on and they've they've tricked the famous people like Phil Collins to say that like he's endorsing this charity called Nonce Sense <laughs> because Nonce is, you know, a pedo. Mm-hmm. And they have like real MPs and real news presenters talking about like this, you know, th- oh. this important thing. Here's, you know, pedophile uh text slang. It's like if you see someone text <laughs> P2PBSH, that means pipe to pipe Bushman. And that's code for two pedos are having sex with each other while children are watching in a shrub. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's all, all these things about, you know, this, oh, I forget what it was. There's something that's like the acronym spells out hoax. And it's like, this mm-hmm. is our new tracking program for the pedos that is make not 93% of the British public. 
And I've I've never seen a quality version of this in my life. Is this? Yeah. I and I didn't. I sorry. I meant to look into this before and watch it again. But that is this pulled from like streaming? Like every every scene, every time I've seen it, it's been like semi illicit. Like how I had to see Battle Royale for most of my life. <laughs> I I don't know what the status is. Just because I don't know. If, I mean, I'm sure it came out on DVD mm-hmm. in the UK. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the US just because, but it's yeah. I mean, you can find it illicitly streaming. Like I I found it on uh, Daily with Daily Motion with almost yeah this, no trouble, and it's like twenty. It's only like twenty four minutes long, yeah. and it is like eight hundred jokes. Just boom, 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 boom. This boom. is I. This might be my biggest recommend of the week because it is it is fucking <laughs> wow. crazy. It is so out there. Like I don't I don't think America would have produced a sat- satirical piece this fucking edgy. Hmm. Yeah, or that will I mean, happen again. Most of it, they're making fun of the media, but yes. there are plenty of jokes in it that are really, really tasteless. Like they, yeah. they, they come much closer to making fun of children being abused. Mm. Yeah, and that's where the complaints really came in. Is like you are making light of something very serious and it's not to be joked about. It's like every now and then one of the jokes is like eh, I'm not sure who the target is here, but it's still funny. It's just so tasteless. Yeah, it, it, it's bizarre. <laughs> it's it's something. I've never seen anything close to whatever this is. So no. I, I thoroughly recommend people track it down. Um, Pedo Geddon. What a... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, Pedo. Um, and then uh, 2001 video games. Two really biggies this week. Max Payne. Speaking of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> he is all over this episode. And one of the worst video game adaptations I have ever seen. Oh, that movie's so awful. And it's still one of the best video game adaptations I've ever seen. <laughs> it's It's... It's so dumb, and it's a prequel to the game. And then Pokemon Crystal, um, your third Pokemon game, has arrived in North America. And boy, I can't wait to tell you about it. You're going to have to wait for patreon.com slash leisure time. I'm not, that's not a real tease. I have not played this and don't know Pokemon very well. That, I wouldn't really do that, but I don't know the game very well. Hey, tell us in the comments, our Facebook group, or on Twitter. Uh, Pokemon Crystal, got any memories? Let's close out of 2001 with Short Skirt Long Jacket by Cocky Cake. Cake! Um, told you you'd know it. Mm-hmm. We told you. Um, I'm not sure that I do, but I have a really what? odd history with Cake. Every streaming music platform mm-hmm. I ever sign up for, and I don't know what the fuck is going on, because I'm just like, uh, The Clash, They Might Be Giants, Replacements, and like, your next song is Cake. <laughs> always. Your next song is always Cake. I'm like, I didn't ask for Cake. Uh, and then it eventually it became like, Stop! Fucking making me listen to Cake. What is wrong with you people? What, wow. What algorithm am I in where you think I want to hear Cake every fucking three songs? Old millennials. It, I guess. It, like, wow. I, and you know what? This ties back into Brass Eye because the episode they previously got in trouble for was them spreading a rumor that there was this party drug called Cake that all the kids were oh. on. And they actually got MPs like yelling about it in Parliament about, okay. we need to know about this Cake situation. It was all a joke. You're stupid. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's close out with some Cake. Some cake, and we'll be right back with uh, 2011 and oh, everything. Oof, such a weird week. Um, <laughs> uh, a little tragedy, a little fun. Stay right there. With fingernails that shine like justice and a voice that is dark like tinted glass. She is fast, thorough, and sharp as attack. She is touring the facility and picking up slack. I want a girl with the short skirt and a
Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 23rd through 29th, ah, this should just be called the 1981 segment for the rest of the year because 40 years ago this week, it's just one after another. There's just really good movies coming out in 1981. And this week is Blowout, directed by Brian De Palma, starring John Travolta and Nancy Allen. A little bit of John Lithgow, a little bit of Dennis Franz in there. And it's a pretty good little thriller there uh, with some really neat imagery and like fancy camera work like De Palma liked to do. And it's about a guy who's a sound effects technician who's working on the slasher film and he's out recording sounds and he records an accident. Or was it murder? Me and De Palma, we have a complicated relationship. And uh, generally though, I like this one. I can be a big snob and say I prefer blow up because it's kind of the same idea, just with a photographer. Or I could say I like the conversation, which is only from a couple years before, and is also really tense and really good. But yeah, Blowout is, uh, it's really interesting. It's a lot of fun. Travolta's really good in it, even though this is, you know, point in his career where he's still kind of a himbo. And the show's like, oh shit, he can act. And uh, yeah, 40 years old this week. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with Eric Church off of uh, Chief with the song Springsteen. I have no idea what it's about. Ah. but It's about them glory days. This is on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time? It is? Wow. Yeah, yeah. and I listened to big chunks of it, and it's like, this is pretty solid. You know, it's modern country without being too poppy, and mm-hmm. it's like, this is some good country. I okay. Like it. Okay. Huh. I'm 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 literally shocked. Uh, okay, uh, new releases this week also include. We're in 2011. Should say that July 23rd to the 29th. Vacation, the final album of Bomb the Music Industry. Can't wait to see what the record deal looks like. Mission uh, accomplished. And- so they had to stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rabbits on the Run by Vanessa Carlton. Party rock anthem by LMFAO is still number one. And no transi- big surprise. Transitioning into news, it's real. It's just sad all around. The inevitability, um, yeah, that's it just part of hurts. It. Someone was asking me, actually probably J.R. Rawls, who asks questions and posts stuff on Laser Time yeah. that we should be posting, like prompting discussions, saying like, knowing what happens with Kurt Cobain, is it going to color how we talk about Nevermind? And like, mm-hmm. how can it not? Because the, the time we had with that person is so short, mm-hmm. and there was this, such a feeling of inevitability of how it ended up. And it's fucking the same for Amy Winehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think even more so because we're at this point we're at internet culture and we're hearing about her struggles every day where I, I knew more about Kurt Cobain after his suicide mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't really remember I, some of that I remember hearing every day but like Amy Winehouse was like every day there was yeah. there was a problem oh, she was so and she was so hounded by the yeah. press especially news of the world we just talked about them shutting down fuck those guys yeah they just she's a very troubled person yeah. with a lot of personal and substance problems and she just got hounded and hounded and hounded and we all knew it was going to happen. 
and, and, they, and they were like yeah, she people making away. like offhanded non-jokes about being dead, joining the 27 club mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Morrison and, and Joplin and Cobain and yeah, Christ. and she did. Yeah. So only only 27. Uh, it was not a heroin overdose. People kind of expected it to be that because she had a lot of problems with opiates. Uh, no, it was alcoholism. Oh. And exacerbated by what I did not know at the time that she had bulimia. Mm. And bulimia will mess you up. That, so that please, happened please to, get help if, if you have the, the urge to purge. That happened to a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so scary. And I, yeah, it, it just it, it just throws all of all of your every your blo- whole blood content everything just gets right up. and to the point where this person is annoying but they really need to keep drinking at least beer or else they'll literally die mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's difficult to know I don't have anything profound to say here but this did happen to someone very close to me as well yeah. uh, and so she I mean her drinking I, I didn't know was, that about Amy Winehouse yeah no her drinking was very much out of control she was trying. Mm-hmm. and failing and then with the, the bulimia because it screws up like your hydration your salts and all mm-hmm. that and so uh she had a blood alcohol of 0.41 jesus oh my god where uh 0.08 is illegal to drive in california so that's five times the legal limit uh yeah that should be i think that should be your gpa and not your blood alcohol level i'm gonna say <laughs> go out there and say that as a moral yeah. leader this podcast yeah i just i uh, went back and listened to a bunch of her stuff and just i mean i'm a big old motown fan mm-hmm. so i was really pulling for her to pull her shit together and just i i'm just mad I, mm-hmm. that we didn't get to hear what else she had to do yeah, yeah. And, that, and it's just tragically ironic that like her biggest hit is this soulful song about rehab yeah uh but a fucking undeniably great song if you mm-hmm. cannot think about what it really means and yeah oh yeah <sighs> oh really comes down to yeah if you have an eating disorder if you drink too much, please seek help because you're hurting yourself in ways you can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ironclad is a movie that's <laughs> out this week <laughs> with uh, Brian Cox, Jason Fleming, Paul Giamatti, and James Purifoy. It's Giamatti again. I know. Mm-hmm. With Brian uh, Cox, which I think, you know, casual moviegoers could confuse the two. They're not the same. <laughs> They're in this movie together. We can prove it. Ironclad. Uh, this is a historical epic about King John laying siege to a or no, he's being laid siege to by the Danish in like 1205. Oh, those and Danes. has to do with the Magna Carta. And yeah, ironclad is, you know, the dudes because they're all knights in a fucking ton of armor. And I'm a history nerd and I was still like, oh my God, I'm so bored. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. That's how I felt reading about The Guard with uh, Bernie Gleason, Don Cheadle, and Mark Strong. Really? Because I mm. thought you might be into The Guard. No? Why? Well, part of the problem is that title is so vague. Mm-hmm. But... The guard is basically Irish lethal weapon. What? Okay. What? Okay. Starring I'm getting Brendan too old Gleason. for the shite. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Brendan Gleeson and Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is written and directed by John Michael McDonough, who's Martin McDonough's brother, who did In Bruges and Three uh, Yeah, I love that fucking dude. Huh. Yeah. And it's <laughs> Brendan Gleeson is this cop who's just like, he he's just out of control, man. He's just like drinking and whoring and running amok and, and you know, telling the tall tales of the Irish as they do. Mm-hmm. And then he's got to deal with Don Cheadle who comes over from the FBI because they're like looking for this guy. And yeah, it was a lot of it. I didn't get around to finishing it. It was one of these where it's like some of these movies, they're smaller and I'm like, I'll start it. I'll see. I'll read the mm-hmm. reviews. I'll see how it goes. And I didn't get to finish it. And now I really want to. Yeah, because, great reviews. Um, okay. Yeah, the reviews are fantastic. It's like one of the biggest money makers, of, you know, in Irish history of an actual Irish film. And wow. yeah, uh, it's available for rent. But The Guard is such a vague title. Like it doesn't, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, <gasps> I shrugged it off because I thought it was that Coast Guard movie. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, yeah. The Guard with Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Liam Cunningham's in there. Fanula Flanagan's in there. I, I totally recommend All it. Right. Okay. I really hate Diana convincing me to watch a movie after the show. I know. Me too. I'm like, no damn. <laughs> Uh, but we were too busy watching movies like Crazy Stupid Love, John Carroll Lynch, Kevin Bacon, Marissa May, Emma Stone, Julianne Moore, Ryan Gosling, and Steve Carell. I did not watch this either. Uh, Crazy Stupid Love. You're getting a divorce? Yeah. Heard you crying in the bathroom. We all thought it was cancer. Oh. Thank God. That's my relationship. <laughs> Your wife cheated on you because you lost sight of who you are as a man, a husband, and probably as a lover. I'm going to help you rediscover your manhood. Would you sleep in them? Jeez, God! Yeah, probably. You would? Let's talk about how many women you've been with. Sexually? I don't know when you and I stopped being us. Seriously? It's like you're photoshopped. Mm. Is this a bad time? God, can you put on some clothes, please? Oh, I'm sorry, is this bothering you? No, it's not. Cal, if it's not bothering you, we got a bigger problem. <sighs> Why are you wincing? This you don't movie. like Ryan Gosling joints with Steve Carell? This movie is very strange because it has some high points. One of them is in the trailer where you're talking about, oh, I thought you had cancer. Okay, it's just a divorce. <laughs> Never mind. Laughed out loud. That part was actually funny. There's some very sweet moments and some very cute moments and a couple of funny mo- moments. These are all quality people, quality actors doing quality work. But then there are some very strange and at times troubling plot points and like (laughs) dialogue like this movie's kind of all over the place in that way yeah it's like a lot of different kinds of movies together yeah and some of them i really like and some of them like you don't need to be here right yes exactly so as they explain in the trailer uh steve carell and julianne moore are have been married for a really long time she cheats on him with kevin bacon and they split up and then Steve Carell starts getting advice from ladies' man Ryan Gosling, like on how to get his groove back. And meanwhile, Ryan Gosling is a total ladies' man. He starts dating Emma Stone, the first of three movies they'll make together wow. so far. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and obviously they have great chemistry. We've already seen that. And, uh, and Steve Carell, like, hooks up with Marissa Tomei, but he's, like, not great at hooking up. And meanwhile, like, his babysitter has a crush on him. And that, just, I hate that. Like I that, hate that storyline so I, much. I would have cut that story. Well, be, especially because it ends the ending note where because also Steve Carell's son is in love with the babysitter, right? And the ending note of the movie is really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember at the yeah yeah the end of the movie the babysitter who is like in high school gives this child who's just like graduating eighth grade. A naked picture of herself. Yeah. That she was going to give his dad. That she was going to try to give his dad. It, uh, why? Ugh, yeah. That whole that, part icks me out so much. To go. Like, the I'm only putting this good my cue thing, right now. <laughs> <laughs> the only good thing about that is there is a point where all of these things come to a head and it yes. goes full farce. Yeah. The, I and did there's love lots that. of like, that's your daughter? <gasps> you're The guy that you're talking to is my friend. Smash everyone starts punching each other and it's like you i love no, that part. You, you lied to me like okay that was yeah once everything converges that was a real fun scene mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um because yeah they start fighting and they're all really bad at it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which i love i'm that. always down me always too. down for a good we're squaring off and then the sissy slaps start yeah well, it looks like actual people fighting <laughs> yeah that's usually there's just sort of shoving yeah I, it's it was okay 
it's weird that I just I can't stop comparing it to Friends with Benefits because like that's the last rom com right. I just watched and it's right. like well that I had a lot more fun with that yeah. even though it's arguably not as good I don't know like this movie mm. wants to think it's more than a rom com a hundred percent this movie thinks that it is like elevated in some way that it is not because it looks very expensive it looks like a um, Nancy Myers movie. Yeah. Because it's like rich people in their rich houses with their rich clothes. And, you know, that's fun to look at. But (laughs) Friends with Benefits is like a smooth ride of two people having great chemistry and some funny jokes and beautiful people doing beautiful things. This is like a roller coaster of like, this is Mm. a bad plot point. This is a great (laughs) plot point. Like, this is funny dialogue. This is terrible dialogue. <laughs> Emma Stone's doing a horrible fake laugh. It's yeah. that scene where they stay up all night talking and she's fake laughing the entire time. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I do, she, I'm glad that they have the line of the movie there where, yeah, Ryan Gosling takes his shirt off. It's <laughs> like, you look like you're Photoshopped. Beautiful. It's, it's, yeah. It's I always fun. It, it's always fun to hear that when yeah. you take your shirt yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> That was what I had to add about the movie. I, I look uh, like I'm Photoshopped, but they use the skew tool. <laughs> so I'm just sort of like a rhombus. None of this is true, by the way. Um, oh, uh, God damn it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. People. I don't know. I mean, given the choice of what movies to watch, like of, of these last three like big blockbuster movies here this would be my choice but just because i hate the other two so much yes i would i think that that's probably true yeah this movie got a lot of attention i think mainly because ryan gosling looks amazing yeah let's Mm -hmm. be real and josh groban is in this and like a fun little role which is I don't know. Yeah. I like to see him show up in things because I think he has a pretty good sense of humor about himself. He has an amazing sense of humor. I can't like his music just bores me to tears. Yes. But every time I see him, I'm so happy because he's obviously such a comedy nerd. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was happy to see him. But overall, this is a flop in my mind. It's it's fine. I wish I could just take out all the weird bad parts and just have it be a makeover movie. Oh. Honestly, I love a makeover montage and they do a pretty good one. Yep. Uh, I have nothing to say other than I don't like Diana calling herself a rhombus. She's a stone cold <laughs> fox and she's recorded this on her birthday. Uh, <laughs> she deserves birthday. all the credits and everyone say oh, a happy birthday you. to Diana. Oh, 72 it, years young. Oh. Look, it's like we only turn 36 once, Diana. It, <laughs> Go have fun. Um, well, some of us turn 36 eight times. So. <laughs> <laughs> some of us will turn 36 in a month. You, Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what What not to see. I, I don't have a comparison of something like this. Something I spent so, like, 10 years loving and then loathing for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then they make a movie out it of it. It sounds like a divorce. Of course they do. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, Tim Gunn. A Smurf horse. Jeff Foxworthy. What? Where's Jeff Foxworthy in this movie? Most of these are voices. Smurfs are different than Smurfs. <laughs> if, you, if you Smurf a Smurf every Smurf, you might be a Smurf. You might be the one female Smurf, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, BJ Novak, Fred Armisen, Keenan Thompson fucking wasted one of our greatest like comedic actors of all time and is only in like fucking literal garbage all the time, mm. uh, usually based on an old cartoon. 
Uh, Keenan Thompson is wasted. Someone do something decent with him. John Oliver, I'm going to bet he's brainy Smurf. Sure. Papa Smurf, I can almost do the voice. Paul Rubens, good Back Smurf. Again. Back uh, in, and he was almost in Planet of the Apes. We almost had Paul wow. Rubens. He's, he's every Tim Burton's time. guy. He shows yeah. up occasionally. Anton Yelchin, Jonathan Jonathan Winters, like one mm. of his final roles. Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming. Sophia Vergara, Hank Azaria. I mean, working going for it. way too hard. Nobody's surprised by that. I am. going for it. Uh, Katy Perry, wasting all of our time. George Lopez, Jama Mays, and of course Neil Patrick Harris in the Smurfs. On July 29th, meet the Smurfs. Papa, you guys drink coffee? Is a Smurfs but blue? Gutsy. Smurf on Bunga. Brainy. According to my calculations, we lost them. Dark. Oh. Clumsy. <laughs> Grouchy. Hey, I'm walking here. And Smurfette. Get back, cat. You smurfed with the wrong girl. The Smurfs in 3D and Real D 3D. Ooh, so rough. Uh... So rough. And, and I, I can, I have not seen this, nor will I, but I have, I just told you about my relationship with the Smurfs, but that doesn't matter. If your first movie is bringing these characters into the real world, your franchise is shit. Like if, if the whole thing is cat like fish out of water, you need to make the Brady Bunch movie out of it. Like the Smurfs village is fucking awesome. They live in little mushrooms. Mm, mm-hmm. that's the, and that's the third. I see that. It's the third movie where they decide to focus on a story. In I think those stories they're semi timeless. The Peyo stories, mm. uh, but I fucking hated every inch of this. There are a few CG designs I hate more than the designs of the Smurfs in mm. this movie. I think they look ungodly. They're very smooth. I can't stand it. I hate the, I hate it so much. Cause like, they look like boogers. I, I would never watch the Smurfs again, but I own some Smurfs merchandise. And it's always pleasant to look upon. Not a single character in this film fits that mold. Hmm. One of my first crushes is Smurfette. Built by Gargamel to infiltrate the Smurfs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is some Smurfs lore that yeah. I was not aware of. Yeah. Mainly because Smurfs is not a thing for me growing up. From the up. pages of Johan and Peewit uh, from like the 60s. Yeah. I was there seeing the this, this wow. Smurfs and the Magic Flute on day one. Terrible really film. Really laying some knowledge uh, on us. Yeah. But I, 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 every birthday I would get Smurf shrinky, shrinky dinks, and I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I had some of those, too. But the Smurfs is out. Who cares? <laughs> no Who one watches. Who cares? This. Look, it's for little, little baby kids, and that's I'm I... sure for them, uh, it's fine. We have a giant Space Jam discussion, and everyone's like, yeah, it's a good movie for kids. I'm like... But did you watch the movie? It's not made for children. It's mm-hmm. made not made for like kids. That. It's made for 90s kids. Kids yep. sort of endure that. Th- this is that Hollywood formula of like 10 years ago, kids of the 80s grew up watching this and will probably, out of some like minor notion of nostalgia, take their children to this because they have fun mm-hmm. memories of it, mm-hmm. even though it mm-hmm. fucking sucks. Like, mm-hmm. and not all the Smurfs, just the Hanna-Barbera stuff. I-, I hate that fucking cynicism. I really do. And... Yeah, but it sounds like, I mean, inoffensive is like the nicest thing I can say about a a movie that's aimed this low. Hank Azaria Gargamel, who gets dragged into the real world, too. He looks ridiculous. And oh, my God. And a movie that he's going for it. And the next movie, I feel like no one's trying. No one is going for it. Yeah. Yeah. And like it comes from a a different kind of cynicism. Like this concept is cool enough. We don't have to do anything out of the ordinary or weird. They didn't even try with the title. No. Yeah, I, th- I think they thought that the title was awesome enough to coast upon. Oh. 
and at the, at the time, I remember I'm in Comic Con, and I almost got in a couple screenings of this, and um, I, I I just rewatched it for the first time since then. Clancy Brown, oh, Clancy Brown's so good in this. Love him. Uh, Noah Ringer, Paul Dano is. <laughs> Like a surprise. Adam Beach, Sam Rockwell, Olivia Wilde, Harrison Ford, Daniel Craig, number one at the box office for just this week, Cowboys and Aliens. You got a name? I don't know. What were those things? I don't know that either. He took my wife. My son. He knows where they are. You just have to remember. Come on! You ready to get your people back? We step in. Looks like he's doing fine. God damn. And Walton Goggins, let's not forget. Oh, Sir yeah. Walton Goggins. Sir Walton Goggins. Yeah. The Just trailer rolls up in the middle of it. Like, mm. oh, yeah, you mm. feel like you should be in a Western. Okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the trailer does not look half bad. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I, I mean, I remember watching the trailer thinking this was a cowboy universe, like Serenity. That's yes. what I thought. That's what I thought they were presenting. And when yeah, I read yeah, that they yeah. weren't, I'm like, oh, not that interested in that. But it, the most interesting thing about it is this is Jean Favreau combining a Western with space sci-fi stuff mm. 10 years ago. We're mm-hmm. now like one of my favorite things in the universe is the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, this is how you do. Yes. And you put Harrison Ford in it, which eventually I'm sure the Mandalorian will do uh, one way or another. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. So, all right, let me say nice things. Cause I, I love Westerns. Yeah. And here's the nicest thing I have to say about this movie. Daniel Craig's American accent has gotten a lot better since that Lara Croft movie. <laughs> but nowhere near as good as it will be in Knives Out. And... Correct. Oh, God. <laughs> and I'm always happy to see Clancy Brown, especially yes. I want him to have his own Western series where he's like like a really tough preacher that shoots someone every episode. And I, I that also, would be pretty cool. I also thought it was interesting. The one thing uh, John Favreau saved in the fire of Iron Man 2 was Sam Rockwell. Doesn't get mm. talked about as part of the MCU, but kind of wasted here. Yeah, this is one of those yeah. those movies. How do I classify this? It is technically bad, but it is not offensive. Mm. It is right. a, a kind of a solid effort, but like... Yeah, eh. I don't feel like they're insulting my intelligence mm-hmm. all that much. I just feel really bored. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's the thing is I was so bored. And I'm I like I said, I love Westerns and I love things that fuck with Western tropes. Yeah. That's awesome. And the idea is Daniel Craig wakes up in the desert with this like thing on his arm, like Mega Man. Mm-hmm. There, I, gave, I made a game reference. You made a game reference. Yay. To the show. And he doesn't remember what the hell happened. And then like he goes to town and these are all like interesting town folks are around. And these like alien spaceships keep coming and like grabbing people. And they kidnap all these different people from the town. And now they've got to form a posse and go out and figure out what the fuck is going on. Ugh. And then, like, along the way, there's, like, another attack with the guys. You know, the aliens come, and there's fighting. And, like, you know, we got a ragtag group of heroes. Harrison Ford is very, very grumpy. This might be the grumpiest Harrison <laughs> wow. Ford has ever been. And he is king of grumpiness. Wow. Give me, fucking grumpy. Give me back my son, who I hate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And all, Olivia Wilde is, like, keeps giving him information, but, like, not giving him all the information god damn it and daniel craig still doesn't know what's going on and then he figures out like oh i was like an evil bandit and they took my wife i guess so i'm pissed at them now and it's really boring yeah. it's surprisingly boring and it, it but it's it's done competently like john favreau is a fucking really it's, good director he's a good director mm. yeah and, and i always wanted to bring bring up zathura the, the only good sequel to jumanji uh <laughs> very great movie when his first directorial debuts uh he didn't direct yeah. swingers remember that but 
Yeah, the, like this movie sort of amounts to like kind of just meh is all it, the way through. Is it a situation where just sometimes we see this happens, the magic sauce is not there and it's hard to put your finger on it? Yeah, I, I really feel like, it's did you see the lot. writers on this film? It's like it's like all the guys from Star Trek and Lost and like, it's like yeah, six different lot. like of the <laughs> biggest writers in the world. And mm. I really feel like this was greenlit like... Somebody said the word cowboys and aliens and sat way back in their chair mm-hmm. and let a, somebody green like this with no yeah. other ideas. Mm. I think it might have been a graphic novel. Oh, it was. Oh, it was. It was yeah, a platinum. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And I, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And that's good because that means he has something to start with. That's basically a storyboard. And I don't know if they changed it too much or too little or what, but it's it's longer than it needs to be. There are kind of no surprises. Nothing yeah. terribly interesting happens. Like, yeah, the action's fine. It, it should um, be way couple, funnier. Given couple good moments. It's just It, it should be funnier nothing. given the people making it. And the only thing I had that was genuinely offensive, one, I remember the movie's title, and I think it may have been Cowboys versus Aliens. Hmm. And they should have called it Cowboys and Indians versus Aliens because, like, they do a lot of the work. And yeah. aren't in the aren't, uh, aren't built at all. That was it, one thing. I was so hopeful seeing Adam Beach in the cast because he's one of the few Native American actors we see mm. that actually like shows up in stuff. Now, now, now that I realize, like, yeah, I guess I can see why they didn't put Indians in the title. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then he gets like the most stereotypical job, like he's the tracker. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and then and Harrison Ford is like Over a racist there. at him, and then he changes his ways at the end. Spoiler alert! And it's like, oh god, damn it! Yeah. I want. Like, yeah, if we're going to have Indians, like, I don't know, do a little bit more instead of having them be mystical. It is so weird. A bit of that. This movie is competent, yet so dull. So, yep. like, very, very strange mm-hmm. film. Like, uh, it, I thought, like, 10 years would, like, yeah, we're probably all hankering for a movie like this now. No, can't say that. Uh, no. Wasn't any more interesting 10 years later. That's and a bummer. It really is, because, like, I don't know, clearly, well, whatever. Everyone settled into millions of dollars and oh, yeah. fame and accolades and franchises. Um, so we're all, we're all good. And John Favreau really found his way with this format. And I think that's the most bizarre thing about it because mm. this is clearly him trying to make his own star Wars with one of the stars of star Wars and didn't really happen for him, but mm. like the, the seeds are there. And I think that that part is really interesting because Mandalorian's kind of a Western before totally it's Star Western. Wars. Yeah. yeah. And and, and so this is the same way. If anything, like both times when I saw it, like I wish the aliens came sooner. <laughs> like <laughs> when are the aliens going to come? This is the, like, cause we just watched back to the future three and like that's it's Western world is so much more fun mm. from the get go mm-hmm. and introduces yeah. things so much faster. Whew. But, uh, you know, if that movie's not good enough for you, switch to television and HBO's got a doc. There's something wrong with Aunt Diane. Oh, Ooh. boy. Mm. I don't know this what this is, is. You both gasped. Yeah. This is one of the scariest documentaries Ooh. you will ever see that is not about, like, mass murder or serial abuse of children. Yeah, I guess in a way it kind of is about abuse of children, but just, like, mm. one last moment at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is about a crash in 2009 in Long Island where a woman with a van full of kids was driving 85 miles an hour going the wrong direction on the highway and smashed into another car eight people died. I remember when this happened. Yeah, Yeah, 2009. And it's like just trying to piece together what the fuck happened because like the lady driving you know, like they found a little bit of, they had some alcohol in her system, but like everyone in her family is like, she didn't have a drinking problem, but like there was booze in the car. And then one of the kids 
in the car, like called their dad and said, like, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. And like, she says she can't see and that she's dizzy. And it's like, was this some sort of psychotic episode? Was, wow, was this a medical problem? This. Yeah. It's, it's a hell of a documentary by Liz Garbus, who's a really mm, good documentarian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She did uh, what happened with Simone and, and the farm Angola USA ghost of Abu Ghraib. Another one really hard to watch. Yeah. 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 This is one I, I walked into this cold. I just did like, HBO does good documentaries. Let's watch this. And at the end of it, I was like, <laughs> I want to mm. hug everyone. And I also want an MRI in my head and I'm scared. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. It, it is really good. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you had some pudding with that meat this week because your favorite show, <laughs> mm. Deadliest Warrior, is pitting yep. Joan of Arc versus William the Conqueror. Yep. I'm going to continue. I'm going through the whole season of Deadliest Warrior, one of the dumbest shows that ever existed that I love so much. Yeah. Joan of Arc versus William the Conqueror. Two French people from different time periods, and they think that Joan of Arc would have won, which is fair because she's from a couple hundred years later. But, you know, there's still similar tactics in warfare. The show is so dumb. But don't pay to watch it because you can rent it for like two bucks an episode and it's not worth that. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. Steal it. Where are you watching it then? I was watching it live. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay. okay, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane is on HBO Max. Um, yeah. I I'm intru- I forgot all about this incident. I'm fucking horrified. Video games of 2011, uh, July 23rd to the 29th. Some decent stuff. Galaga 30th collection. The Galaga 30th anniversary collection is on iOS. Catherine, the anime cheesecake, now semi-problematic uh, anime with a puzzle game in between. Hmm. Very strange, hmm. but very unique. Um, I, I played... Quite a bit of it until I really couldn't anymore. Well, I, I, lo- I, lo- I love the Sims DLC naming conventions where they just sort of give up. It's the Sims 3 town life stuff. You know, <laughs> stuff. 1999, you'll get some stuff. You'll get some stuff. We also have uh, From Dust and uh, Groove Coaster on iOS, but, you know, the Catherine's the big highlight here. Mm. Um, obviously, we will have more to say about that on uh, patreon.com slash laser time. Consider donating. We appreciate your support so very much and um really can't say enough nice things about our listeners um getting into a couple plugs here but stay stick around we're gonna do uh the a quiz which is always fun and sarah beat me last time and i've been thinking about it all week okay good i'm glad i live inside your head Uh, yeah yeah and now you're here in person so i can take all this out on you you don't get to go home until we play a battle game of battleship yeah (laughs) (laughs) we have to keep playing stuff until i win video game apocalypse this week is talking about handhelds um really fun episode with our buddy greg talking about valve announcing something a competitor to the switch which i don't think is very accurate but whatever uh and bonus time this week talking about space jam and a moment in the pandemic a moment i never thought i'd have in my life because of the pandemic that probably people in california will never have but here we are uh, mm. anger dissolution uh bonus time that's, that's <laughs> great <laughs> Um, the sequel to Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everything is bad, but I'm smiling. Bonus time. Di, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show also on Twitter at 302010podcast, 302010podcast, and tease in next week. I mean, this this week was, you know, failures of various kinds. We got some better stuff. Next week, we, we have things we can actually recommend, like uh, Charlie Sheen and Carrie Elways are fighter pilots. Oh, can't wait. Oh, shit. Uh, Anne uh, Hathaway is a princess. Can't wait. And we try to reboot Planet of the Apes again, and we succeed this Ooh, time. So good. Ooh, cannot wait. Next week's going to be great, y'all. Yeah. <sighs> 
I'm okay, only worried about the princess, the princess one. I have not seen that. Well, and you should see it. I'll, hey, look, I did my Legally Blonde duty, and I was wrong. You know uh, what I did this well, weekend? I watched. Yeah, yes, so, you did. Yes, you did. Come on now. All right, all right, all right. I can do it. I can do it. I'll be a big boy. By that, I mean a there little girl. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pull on your big girl panties and watch the princess movie. Okay, I can do this. Yeah, it's you'll be. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Actually. Absolutely. I can do this. Um, and then, yeah, please leave your comment, Facebook, under the under the uh, BlazerTimePodcast.com post about this episode. Uh, your feedback is just as important as ours. We're just the ones at the mic. So uh, mm, the, mm-hmm. I, I, I love everyone's feedback. And, and thank you to J.R. Rawls for continuing to do our jobs better than we do. Um, <laughs> uh, and then deaths. Who died during this period of 302010? Uh, well, in 1991, we lost Isaac Bashevis Singer, who's 87. Oh, no. He is the only Nobel Prize for literature given for someone who wrote entirely in Yiddish. Wow. Boy, Vic. Yep. Yep. Um, his work is really good. And I, the best known thing is probably Yentl the Yeshiva Boy. Mostly he oh. wrote uh, short stories and novels about, like, what was it like being poor and Jewish before the war and the unpleasantness? Mm. Uh, I know and it involved a lot of big hats. There were a lot of big hats. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I didn't think of it as a goal. I started learning Yiddish on Duolingo a couple months ago. And then, and now maybe that could be my goal is like try to read some singer in the original Yiddish. Oh, yeah. But they're they're not really teaching me like important historical stuff. <laughs> like I'm learning to say like the flower is very red and not things like fuck the czar. Oh, God, the Cossacks are here. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Cossacks. Yep. Mary had a little lechaim, like starting very, very early. <laughs> Yes. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Hide oh, the man. valuables. No. Um, anyway, in 2011, we lost Polly Platt, who is 72. She is awesome. She has an entire series on the podcast. You must remember this it, about it, her life. And it is so interesting. It was the most fast, weirdly, one of the most fascinating times for podcasts for me. What was that a year ago, Dime? Mm. Yeah, about mm-hmm. that. Because uh, Turner Classic Movies launched uh, a season about Peter Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. which talks about his career and Polly Platt. But Polly Platt, I, I think, uh, what's the host name? Oh, I forget. Katrina Longworth? Yeah, she's, or Karina she, I think yeah. she may have started on purpose. We're like, I bet they're not going to talk about like how all of his successful movies involve her and yeah. how she's kind of this like unsung hero behind all these Bogdanovich movies people like. And once yep. they get divorced, he doesn't make acclaimed movies anymore. But nope. her work but, continued to be acclaimed. <laughs> but then she helped James L. Brooks make really good yes. movies. And then she did. She found Cameron Crowe and supported him early on. Wow. Um, so Wes Anderson. Li- listen, yeah. listen to those series as they came out week by week, because they they were week by week, was one of mm-hmm. the best times I've ever had in podcasts, because it wasn't people battling and like, these mm-hmm. people are liars, but just additional information mm-hmm. about the same thing. And I encourage, I tried to recreate it myself like a few weeks ago while I was playing Monster <laughs> Hunter, because it was so awesome. But uh, yeah. again, great podcast. Don't listen to any podcast but this one. That's what I meant to say. Of course. Don't, of don't course. ever do that. How not, dare you? Uh, not even ben, the, the, the plot thickens that Bonfire of the Vanities one. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, I wish they had gotten that out a couple years earlier. But... I know. We just talked about it like last year in 30, mm-hmm. 2010. Now there's a whole podcast oh. about why this can't fail thing failed. Uh, it's fucking <laughs> mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So then also in 2011, besides Polly Platt, we lost G.D. Spradlin, who's 90, who's one of the great Hey, It's That Guys. Didn't see him a lot, but when you saw him, you're like, it's that guy. Uh, I always think of him as the senator from Godfather 2. Hmm. Anything He's else? He's a very distinctive guy. Anyway, but he was 90. I didn't realize he made it to 90, so that was cool. So now that we've talked about dead people, you want to talk about birthday? Yeah. 
Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, where I meet Sarah in person. Right. <laughs> she's she's mean mugging me in person. It feels weird. <laughs> or you can do things like in um in arm wrestling where it's like get near the mic and then balk. Like Ooh, no. Yeah. no. Juke. Okay, so turning 60. Doesn't look 60, first of all. Looks fantastic. So born July 23rd, 1961 in Midland, Texas. He went to Hanover College in Indiana on a church scholarship where he crossed paths with Vice President Mike Pence. Said hmm. Pence was really uptight, but a, uh, but an okay guy. I remember reading uh, about this. God damn it. Me too. He thought about becoming a minister, but then became disillusioned. Fast forward a bit. The same year he got his first TV gig, he married Neil Simon's daughter, Nancy, in Tijuana as a joke. What? And then when they went to get it and all the next day, the place was closed. So they stayed married for like a year. <laughs> Oh, my God. I'm sure that wasn't a disaster at all. He's also one of the highest profile anarchists politically and a raw food vegan that doesn't eat flour or sugar. Uh, Henry Rollins? No. <laughs> 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 I kind of see how you got there, but no. Um, Does Henry Rollins have a TV gig and Mary Nancy? I don't know. Simon? <laughs> okay. He could be 60, though. It, it, that's true. It, is it just because his name is Rollins, and that's why you said that? <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's why it was. Do you know who Henry Rollins is? Yes, I do. Name do the band he's in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made it really easy. It's the Henry Rollins band. Uh, <laughs> Rollins band. You could have just said Rollins band. Yeah. I had two choices, and neither not, of them were that. I was not gatekeeping. I was going for an easy joke, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Joke's on me. All right. Films of his we've talked about. Welcome to Sarajevo, Palmetto, Hilo Country. There's a lot of them, actually. We've talked. He's a very diverse career. Wildcats, Wag the Dog, Ed TV. Not McConaughey? Nope. Harrelson. No. No, I'm good. Keep going. It's Woody Harrelson. It is Woody Harrelson. God, that counts for me! That counts for me! That's mine. Because of Ed TV, the True Detective prequel. Yeah. Oh. Don't second guess yourself. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know that feeling, man. Oh. I- Woodrow Harrelson. Were you going to tell us about his dad? Yeah, I was going to say. I skipped that because I thought that would give it away that his, yeah, his that dad totally. uh, was spent the rest of his, a lot of his childhood in prison because he killed a federal judge. <laughs> and there's some people that rope him into the JFK conspiracy. Mm-hmm. They think his dad is like, somehow involved yeah wow we have talked about a lot of his movies we just talked about friends with benefits i'm not even halfway done so (laughs) play it to the bone thin red line scanner darkly prairie home companion semi-pro la story seven pounds 2012 friends with benefits no country for old men kingpin the messenger zombie land and people versus larry flint dang that's a lot of movies and they are all over the place yeah mcdonald's people versus larry flint Yes. Even that movie. Oh, my God. Courtney loves the people versus Larry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. So, yeah. 60. Looking good, dude. 60. Looking Uh, very good. That raw food, man. uh, A member of the Star Wars and Marvel universe, uh, I believe. Yeah. Where is he in Marvel? Uh, He is sadly Carnage, if you have not seen the Venom movies. (laughs) Oh, right. The dumbest post-credit sequence of all time. Um, Yeah. That's that's coming out soon. So it's it's not quite official yet. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he's in Solo, right? He's in Solo? Yeah, but just yeah. that he's involved yeah. in like some of the biggest franchises. Every big franchise he mm-hmm. finds a way to worm himself into. He's just a reliable presence, man. Yeah, it's I so mean, crazy. Over all of those, like he can do comedy, he can do, you know, heavy-ass drama. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got an amazing scene in No Country. Mm-hmm. Amazing scene. I love his letter in Three Billboards. Oh, God. Ugh. It's such a great sequence. Yeah. Um, oh, anyway, anyway, so... I figured in honor of Amy Winehouse, we need to go out with Amy Winehouse and I refuse it to be rehab. So does anyone have a favorite song or we'll go with the one I picked? I I have a ton of favorite Amy Winehouse songs. Mm -hmm. I could be thinking of BTS though. (laughs) But no, no. I'm trying to think of the one that Valerie, I really like Valerie. Oh yeah. We can go out with Valerie. Okay. I was going to go with Pierce Cry. Valerie Is that that the (laughs) one? No. No? Yeah. I was going to go with Tears Tears Dry on their own, but they're both like classic Motown sound and yep. like they just they freaking nail that wall of sound and oh uh, really god it just bums me out mm. that Ronette's flavor mm. exactly mm. she's mm. the missing Ronette that's who she is <laughs> oh I would have loved to hear her with Ronnie Spector oh anyway <sighs> that is it for the show check us out tell a friend all that stuff but uh R.I.P. Amy Winehouse and uh take us out since I come home 